Welcome to State Lines, where you get the best gambling and sports information in Illinois. Here are your hosts, Jason Gotch and Kevin Berger. Welcome aboard to a Super Bowl preview edition of State Lines. We're going to have a couple of preview shows for you over the next couple of weeks. Of course, the historic two-week gap from the conference championship games into the Super Bowl is once again in play this year. He's Kevin Berger. I am Jason Gotch. What a postseason it has been in the National Football League. And the Cincinnati Bengals. Who had the Cincinnati Bengals? One of the longest shot teams to make the Super Bowl prior to the season. Well under 500 last year. A top five pick in uh, the, the draft in 2021. They are in the Super Bowl against the Los Angeles Rams. The Bengals stunning. And I mean stunning the Kansas City Chiefs in overtime last week in Kansas City. And the Rams rallying from 10 down in the fourth quarter to win the NFC Championship over the visiting San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Kevin Berger, before we get to all the Super Bowl props, we're going to have a couple weeks of Super Bowl prop shows for you. Before we break down the game that will be between the Rams and the Bengals, we were talking before the show, me, Jason Gotch, you, Kevin Berger, about what an outstanding playoffs this has been in the NFL. And obviously, if your team's not in there, I look, I've adopted the Bengals. My wife's from Cincinnati. She's a huge, huge Bengals fan, so they're my second favorite team because they never play the Bears except for once every four years, and there's no rivalry there. But if your favorite team like ours, the Bears, is not in the, in the playoffs, I don't think you could have asked for a more entertaining postseason considering our favorite team is not in there. Yeah, um, <laughs> Jason, it, it's it has been a mind-boggling playoffs. Um, it, as I mean, every week has gotten better than the last. Um, I think culminating in last week. I mean, those were two fantastic games on both sides. I mean, they pretty much both came right down to the wire. I mean, the LA game, I suppose, not as much in the NFC game, but um, they're both two fantastic games to watch. And uh, you said it in the pregame, Jason, in the pre-show, Jason. The Cincinnati Bengals have made me look like a genius for the last three, basically three and a half, four months, essentially since October when the Bears beat up on uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals pretty uh, pretty handily at um, Soldier Field. They've made me look like a genius. I have said from that point on, this is not a team anybody wants to play. And I think around that time is when we saw Joe Burrow had confidence in his knee because, of course, he had the surgically repaired knee from his ACL last year. He has confidence in his knee. Um, Joe Mixon has had a very underrated season as far as I'm concerned. I don't think he's getting nearly enough attention, mostly because of, number one, who his quarterback is, and two, and even more importantly, how awesome that receiving core has been. Um, I mean, he's had, I mean, he's rushed for 1,200 yards and, and 13 touchdowns in, in 16 games this year. So, I mean, he's had a fantastic season. But what else needs to be said, Jason, about how much the Bengals hit on that top five pick they had with um, Jamar Chase being the rookie of the year? And I think, Jason, when you and I, we were talking before the season on state lines, that Jamar Chase was one of my two picks to win um, Rookie of the Year. I think the one I actually went with officially was um, the tight end uh, out of Florida that went to um, the Falcons. 
But Jamar Chase, I remember Jason. There was headlines, people saying like, "Oh my God, he's going to be awful. He, he's not catching anything in the preseason. He can't do this. He can't do that." Yeah, yeah. All those same people are. Uh, I think they're pretty silent right about now. <laughs> and I remember you talking about Kyle Pitts during the uh, during that preseason show that we did. A couple of them, the tight end you mentioned from. Florida now with the Atlanta Falcons, but you did mention Jamar Chase, and you're right. Jamar Chase said, hey, I dropped a few balls in the preseason. Don't worry about it. When the lights go on, I'm going to be fine. And a lot of times when somebody says that, you roll your eyes. But in his case, absolutely 100% true. And you look at how the Bengals have done this. Look, we'll get to the Rams in just a second, but you think about Cincinnati, they get the number one overall pick. They take Joe Burrow. Then they take Jamar Chase, a perfect compliment to him. And what can Cincinnati do that separates them from a lot of teams in the NFL? We always hear defense wins championships. And look, I I agree. Defense is super important. But you have to be able to score. Most teams, including our beloved Chicago Bears here in Illinois for the state, they can't score. For the state line listeners here, look, uh, look, right now at this point in Justin Fields' career, he goes down 21-3 in a game in the first half. That game's over. I mean, you're, you're talking about name the score for the opponents. Do they want to win 42-10? Do they want to win 42-17? Do they want to win 35-3? But with the Bengals, they have the ability. You mentioned Joe Mixon. You mentioned a good receiving court. Their offensive line is suspect, but they've been able to overcome that because Joe Burrow's that good at quarterback. And, you know, you mentioned that game week two of the regular season between the Bears and the Bengals. And that game, actually, if you watched it close, it it told us a lot in a good way about Joe Burrow because the Bengals lost that game. But Joe Burrow threw three picks in the second half on three consecutive passes in that game. Most guys, they're going to go hang their head on the sideline. They're they're going to be shut down. Yeah, they're going to be completely shut down internally. Joe Burrow's like, you know what? Let's go back out there and try and win the game. He throws two touchdown passes, and the Bengals nearly win that thing. They lost in 2017. That just shows you the confidence and probably cockiness, and I mean that in a good way. Look, to play quarterback in the NFL, you got to be really cocky at times. Yep. You do, to overcome all the adversity. Look, the confidence and cockiness of Joe Burrow. Hey, I'm fine, man. I'm going to go out there and play. And look what happens. He gets his team to a Super Bowl with a good defense. Zach Taylor's done a good job getting keeping that team uh, in games when they've fallen down, obviously 20 down 21 to three in KC. And you managed to win that one. An incredible performance for the long suffering Bengal fans who prior to this season hadn't experienced a playoff winner in 31 years. One game they hadn't won the playoffs. Now they're in the Super Bowl. And let's Kevin here on state lines, get to the Rams a little bit because you know, that, that trade in the off season last year, Matthew Stafford's got his critics. I'm one of them at times. I will admit it. But the, 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 the Rams traded a ton. They traded Jared Goff, but they traded a lot of draft picks to the Lions to get Matthew Stafford. But if they win this Super Bowl, I don't think anybody can ever say that was a bad deal for the L.A. Rams. I don't care what happens with all those draft picks Detroit got. You get Stafford, you win a Super Bowl. Uh, that's a great deal for the Rams. And certainly Stafford's a big reason, along with a good supporting cast on both sides of the ball, why they're there. Yeah, Jason, you hit the nail on the head. It, it That was a big-time move because, I mean, this team is only, what, two years, three years removed from being in the Super Bowl with Jared Goff as their quarterback. And I know there was a lot of people, and I will say that there were people that said, like, oh, my God, Matt Stafford, he's done. This is them just desperately trying to get a veteran quarterback. Jason, this is the best season statistically Matt Stafford has had since, I'm looking at the stats now, probably since 2011 when he threw for 5,000 yards in his third season in the league. 4,800 yards, almost 4,900 yards, 41 touchdowns. 
I mean, yes, the 17 interceptions, those are not good. But also I will say that um, quite a few of those were out of his control. They were like, you know, tipped or deflected passes. So those aren't uh, those aren't on him. But I will say Matt Stafford has done just what he's always done. I think you and I have discussed this before. Matt Stafford is doing what he's always done in the league. The only difference is, as you said, he has a hell of a lot better supporting cast around him to where he doesn't have to try to throw for 800 yards and 10 touchdowns each game for his team to even have a chance to win. Um, so that that was a big-time move, and it's not even just on the offensive side of the football. They've made big-time moves either, Jason. I mean, defensively, to already have a guy like Aaron Donald, who I don't care what I but Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in the NFL right now at any position. He is the best player on, de- on the defensive side of the football in the NFL, point-blank period for me. You go out. You trade for Von Miller, who's been one of the best pass rushers in league history, not just of his career in the time of his career. He's been one of statistically one of the best ones in league history. Um, and then you add that to Jay, you add that with Jalen Ramsey, who they finally locked up on that deal. And you do have to go through that they have had some adversity. Jason, they were without who everybody thought was their best receiver within the first three games of the season with Robert Woods tearing his ACL and being done for the season. And what happened? Cooper Cup has taken the league by storming. Everybody knew Cooper Cup was good, but I don't think anybody around the most people around the NFL knew he could be this good. So, I mean, this team has, they've scrapped, they've clawed their way in, into this situation. There was a point during the season where you and I both, Jason, said like, oh my God, like, what the hell is going on with the Rams? It's trouble in paradise. This team's not as good as everybody thinks they are. Well, as good teams do, they found a way to win, and they found a way to get here. So th- these are two teams that I don't think, okay, I guess the Ram people would, thought would be here. But the way they've gotten here, I don't think a lot of people saw coming. So this is going to be a very intriguing football team and a very intriguing football game. It certainly is. This is State Lines. He's Kevin Berger. I'm Jason Gotch as we're previewing Super Bowl 56, not only from the gambler's perspective, but also the game perspective. We're going to mix in some other big football storylines this week. Tom Brady obviously stepping away from the NFL. The Bears introducing their new coach and general manager. But before we do that, Kev, I'm not going to ask you to... to put a pick on the game yet we're probably going to save that even until next week's show but let's give everybody the early line in this one our listeners uh the Bengals are getting four and a half but they're minus 115 so a small favorite there on the spread getting those four and a half uh the Rams are minus four and a half here minus 105 uh total in this game is 48 and a half on the money line straight up to win Rams minus 195 the Bengals are plus 165 and a reminder a place that I know uh, you saw a game earlier this season, Kevin, that beautiful new SoFi Stadium yep. in Los Angeles. This is the home of the Rams. So the Rams, this is ironic. This is the Rams' own field, their stadium. This is technically a home game for the Rams, if you think about it. But on the scoreboard, because they rotate NFC, AFC every year, the Bengals will be the home team on the Rams' field because it is the, quote-unquote, supposedly neutral site Super Bowl that isn't, but only the second time in Super Bowl history a team will play on their own field in a Super Bowl. The other time was last year when Brady and the Buccaneers uh, beat the Chiefs down in Tampa. So uh, a few observations from you here, Kevin Berger. Anything stand out with you with the line for this game from any of those angles? And also, uh, what do you think about the Rams playing at home? Are are you a believer that this is going to help them? Or do you think that, hey, there's so many people here that are dignitaries that, that that get the tickets in a different way than being a fan of either team that the home field or home crowd advantage isn't going to be there for the Rams this time around. 
Yeah, Jason, I, I don't know what to make of that. Um, I don't understand why um, why this has happened for the second time in as many years. I mean, I understand why, because the NFL wants to, you know, show off its latest toy, which, I mean, that let's call it what it is. I mean, that's what SoFi is. And as you said, Jason, I have I have been there, and it is a marvel of modern engineering. Like it it is a it is a marvel of modern human engineering. Um, and right now, as it stands right now, Jason, normally the the it seats a total of seventy thousand two hundred and forty for the Super Bowl. That will be expanded to seat over a hundred thousand one one hundred thousand two hundred and forty. So. I don't know where they're going to get the the 30,000 extra seats, but apparently there's going to be 30,000 extra seats. Um, In regards to your question, Jason, about is this going to be an advantage? I will say it'll be an advantage, but not for the reason some people might think. I don't think there's going to be an overwhelming majority of Rams fans there because, I mean, I will say this, and I know if – if anyone listens to state lines in California, I'm sorry for what I'm about to say, but LA sports fans, Jason, when it's, if it's not the <laughs> Lakers, they're terrible. They're awful. If the team You're... is, if the team is good, they will go. Otherwise they could not care any less if they tried. Your words, not mine, but I'm not going to argue with you one bit. I've spent some time in LA. I've listened to LA sports radio and I'm sure for the Super Bowl, it's, it's going to be different, but yeah, uh, look, the Dodgers could be on a 15 game winning streak and you click on sports radio in Los Angeles and they are talking about what the Lakers are going to do in free agency in, in the middle of July. I mean that, that, that it is, it's a, it's one of the few towns in the country that is truly an NBA town. Los Angeles is that I, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a team, a, a big city, with a number of different professional sports teams and a variety of sports that you'd say, yeah, first off, that's an NBA town. It's not that way in Chicago. It's not that way in Philly, uh, New York, D.C., uh, uh, Boston, well, none of those well, places. New York, New York maybe. I, I don't think they care more about the Knicks than they do the Yankees. I, I really think they care more about the Yankees in New York. All and right, probably right. and the Giants too. I would say the Giants too. The Knicks, you're right though. The Knicks are a big draw. It's just that maybe I'm a little biased because, as you know, Kev, the Knicks have been so bad for so long. If they were good, I guess probably it'd be a little bit of a different case. Yeah, and I could agree, Jason. And when I said um, it would be an advantage for a different reason, it's going to be an advantage for the Rams because Jason, they don't have to go anywhere. They're not going to have to, you know, travel to some place you know, randomly in the country. They're not going to have to stay in a hotel for two weeks and, you know, handle the, the chaos that is Super Bowl media day and media week and all that other sort of stuff. Go to different facilities. They can go home. They can sleep in their own beds. They can have home cooked meals, that sort of thing. Like it's not going to be as much of a change in routine, at least as far as the practice is concerned. Now, I understand the Super Bowl is a whole different beast when it comes to game day preparation, the media week, that sort of thing. I mean, obviously, that's that's its own entity in itself. But I'm just talking about, like, day-to-day, the non-football-related things, like the routine-type things. It's going to be an advantage for the Rams because they're not going to have to go anywhere else. Yeah, that's a great point. That really is a great point. Completely different for the Bengals than it will be for the Rams. Obviously, they're traveling across the country to play the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. This is State Lines. He's Kevin Berger. I'm Jason Gotch. And we come back, we're going to throw it. We'll start off the segment with some prop bets and also... I think Kevin and I are in agreement that something in the NFL that happened this week, just really, you're going to wait two years for this. We'll talk about that right after this. 
Don't go anywhere. More sports gambling talk coming up on State Lines. Staying connected is important in today's world. Whether it's hearing the news of a new baby in the family or calling work to let your boss know you're running late, phone and internet service keep you connected with your world. At AT&T, we know that some Americans face life every day without the comfort and security of having a phone or internet service. In certain areas, you may be able to reduce your phone or internet bill with a lifeline discount if you are in a qualifying low-income household. Additional discounts of up to $25 may be available to those living on federally recognized tribal lands where AT&T offers Lifeline. To find out more about Lifeline and other AT&T products and services, call us at 800-288-2020 or go to att.com slash lifeline if you have access to the internet. Lifeline is a government benefit program and willfully making false statements to obtain this benefit is punishable by fine or imprisonment and could result in termination of Lifeline service. Lifeline enrollment requires certain eligibility documentation and is non-transferable. Limited to one discount per household. AT&T services including Lifeline are not available in all areas. Other restrictions apply. And now, back to State Lines with Jason Gotch and Kevin Berger. We welcome you back to State Lines. It is the week off between the championship games in the NFL and the conferences and Super Bowl 56 between the Rams and Bengals at SoFi Stadium. Of course, the Rams right now a four-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. As we told you in our last segment, the total in that game is 48-and-a-half. Of course, both these teams uh, get there last week with the Bengals stunning the Chiefs in overtime in KC 27-24 since he trailed in that game by a score of 21 to three at one point, And they end up winning the game. An amazing comeback for Joe Burrow and company. And the Rams down 10 in the fourth quarter surprised the 49ers in LA 20 to 17 in the NFC championship game. We're going to get some more prop bets here. Actually, we haven't gotten any yet. We talk more about big picture with this game, but we're going to get to a bunch of prop bets as the program progresses uh, this week. But before we do that, Kevin, we, we chatted about this a little bit before the show too. Uh, The Washington football team, of course, two years without a nickname. And earlier this week, they make the decision. They are now the Washington Commanders. And I I know we're we're thinking alike here, so I'll let you have uh, your turn here in just a moment. But I got to say this. Two years to come up with the name Commanders. When you're in the nation's capital, there are so many different ways you could have weaved in uh, the history of Washington, D.C., or, or the theme of Washington, D.C., into your name, and, and they wait two years to be the commanders. To me, that seems like a, a team out of a movie, number one, and a generic nickname out of a movie. Number two, it also is one where when they dropped uh, the Redskins nickname a couple of years ago, the, the next day they could have turned around and said, you know what, we're going to be the commanders. It didn't. It didn't seem like that nickname takes two years to find, but hey, uh, it's been a rough almost, you know, we're going on three decades now pretty soon with uh, Mr. Snyder running the show in D.C. Yeah, Jason, it it, it doesn't make, I mean, okay, number one, uh, people who have listened to State Lines throughout the entire season this year, you know I'm going to be happy that they have a nickname because that was one of the things that, that just drove me nuts is they're the Washington football team. Give yourself a nickname for God's sake. Um, Jason, I have an article from uh, CBS Sports that talks about this that, um, or excuse me, from the Washington Post that had over 40, there was 40,000 fan submissions over the last 18 months with nearly 1,200 different names. 
And this is the best you can come up with. It, it, it's laughably pathetic. Like you had so much time. You could have so much creativity. I mean, if you want to stick with the military theme, do something like the Commodores or the Caravan. Or I mean, I think the Caravan actually sounds pretty cool. But I mean, there's so many. You could have gone with animals. You could have gone with, I don't know, uh, boats or ships or planes or something. Just let yourselves be a group of children in this. What sounds cool and what would look cool with the color scheme that you have? Jason, the Washington Commanders, you said it sounds like made up. This sounds like a team that you would make in a Madden franchise. <laughs> that is what this name sounds like. Um, I also hate the logo that on their helmets and their uniforms, it's literally just going to have a W, like a block W. That is what their logo is going to be on their helmets. That's terrible. Um, I mean, I have seen some pictures where it's going to be like, um, where uh, for like, you know, regular fan gear and stuff like that, it's going to have like the year that um, the team was founded and has like a W, the commanders. It kind of looks almost like a military badge. I would say, you know, like a like a like a patch that you would see on like a soldier's uniform or something. So I mean, that's kind of cool. But it 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 just seems like it's just such a wasted effort because they could have done something different. They could have done something This was your chance to truly set yourself apart from the quote unquote from the Washington Redskins name entirely. And of all the things that happen this is just like it's 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 not good and i even have a picture of it on twitter it says the washington dc football commanders the people's team and then it has two stripes in the top left corner like you know you would see on the american flag three stars next to that it says 1932 below that it says commanders then it says dcfc and then next to that it says w no when I sit, think of FC Jason, I think of a soccer team. This is fo- <laughs> this is American football. Don't go around calling yourselves Washington FC because then I'm if I see that and I don't know that it's a football team, I'm probably just going to flip it to something else. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well said, Kevin Berger. Yeah, you got the you got the soccer theme in your logo. The established 1932. Sorry, that's great if it's the Bears or the Packers who've kept their name pretty much the whole time. I know the Bears started as the Decatur Staley's, but then they moved to Chicago and became the Bears like one or two years later. But you know what? Nobody thinks of the Washington Commanders in 1932 because they didn't exist until 2022 with that name. So you're about 90 years trying to claim history that wasn't there for that for that name nickname at least. The franchise, sure, but nobody's going to go back. Look, when people are looking back in history and they're like, oh, yeah, Joe Theismann was great. He was great with the Redskins in the 80s. They're not going to say the commanders because they weren't the commanders, for better or worse, whatever you think about the old nickname. But, yeah, you have you have those angles. And then you think about the people's team. That's something right out of commie lingo, the People's Republic of China. I mean, come on, that's, that's not a great moniker either. No. It's not the people's team. The no. people's team's in the NFL. 
are the Packers, the Steelers, and the Cowboys. Those are the three across the country that everybody, you know, even win or lose, they got a huge following. Uh, this Washington franchise is not that way. In the 80s, they were. It's been a long time since they were good in the 80s. But go with some Washington presidents. Go go steal the old USFL nickname, Washington Federals. I mean, find something. You you mentioned it, uh, the Admiral. Something that ties in a little better than Commanders. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Kevin Berger. I think it, it, two years to come up with this, fire the marketing department and all the other uh, whatever they did focus groups now that everybody likes to do. To, uh, who were they polling that said this was the great nickname and, for the and franchise? That, and that's and that's the thing, Jason. Like, if 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 it's if 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 this name was settled by that Washington had, like, you know, like let's say they did like an official forum where you had to like register and they picked like twenty names and it said, okay, everyone who pre-registered for this, you get one vote, and then they said like we are gonna go with whatever name gets the most votes. Then and then if it ended up being this way, that's fine. But this is people that are paid a, a substantial amount of money to work for an NFL franchise, especially as you said in the marketing department, to get butts in seats, to get them to buy merchandise, watch the games, etc. And this was the best you could come up with. Like, I don't know. It seems like a lot, as you said, Jason, a lot of people need to uh be fired or have a serious look at um their marketing strategy if they think that oh yeah hey i got hey i got an extra ticket to the commander's game you want to go like uh, uh, who that, that doesn't make any sense <laughs> no this this is a nickname that belongs in the new usfl if they get a team in dc for that, oh that, my that God, that's, that's where perfect. That, that's where it belongs it sounds like a usfl nickname yep he is Kevin Berger. I am Jason Gotch. This is State Lines. Let's not keep you waiting any longer. I'm sure most of our listeners agree on this, too. I, I have not heard it. And look, this is anecdotal evidence. I've talked to a few hardcore football fans not in the sports media industry. Uh, more importantly, hardcore football fans that buy tickets and things like that and watch games. And I haven't heard one ringing endorsement for the Commanders yet. Granted, they're not a fan of that franchise, not against it, but I have not heard one ringing endorsement. So I don't think we're off base here, Kev, but let's get some of the prop bets off the board here real quick. We're going to do a lot of these over the next couple of weeks. Let's start it off with Joe Burrow, one of the best young players in the NFL. Joe Burrow's passing yards in Super Bowl 56, over under 275 and a half yards. Oh, you know, Jason, I am going to take the over on this one. I know it's an extremely big ask because, I mean, we'll obviously talk about this more next week when we're going to be analyzing and previewing the actual game itself. Is the Bengals' offensive line going to be able to give Joe Burrow, are they going to be able to keep him clean long enough for him to push the ball down the field? Because if he gets time, he will, he will, he is talented enough to be able to shred this Rams defense despite how great they are. The only question is, will they be able to? I think personally he will, so I will take the over. All right, Kevin Berger locking in on the over for Joe Burrow. I'm actually going to go under here. I have a feeling that the Bengals in this game are going to be able to use the running game maybe better than people think. I think Joe Mixon's going to get a nice workload. So I'm going to go under for Joe Burrow on the passing yards. I'm going to say he gets under 275 and a half passing yards let's go to the other quarterback the Rams Matthew Stafford passing yards over under 280 and a half yards what do you think there Kev oh, oh over under 280 passing yards uh Jason I think I will take uh I think I will take the over on this one as well again I mean these are both 
two really good quarterbacks. Matt Stafford, I mean, he's literally done this his whole career. He has no problem pushing the football down the field, and it helps to have a guy like Cooper Cup, who's extremely dangerous in the open field. Yeah, Cooper Cup is certainly a talented player, but I am going to say under on Matthew Stafford here. I think that the the Bengals' defense, I believe, is very underrated. Uh, When you think of great defensive teams in the NFL, you don't think of the Bengals, but they have been able to make plays at key times in games this year. And just look at what they did to Patrick Mahomes in the second half of that game last week. Zach Taylor, some people don't think he's a great coach. I'm not ready to put him there yet, but... There's some real good things he does, and one of the biggest things the Bengals do well is second-half adjustments. They're one of the better teams after halftime, so I think they're going to find a way to contain Stafford. I'm going under 280 and a half yards. Uh, Cooper Cup, you just mentioned him, Kevin. To score a touchdown, he's very highly rated to do that in this game. He's minus 200, so you got to put down 200 to win an additional 100. Will Cooper Cup score a touchdown? Um, I would say so, Jason. I think he definitely will. Um, with that being said, I will personally pass on this one just because I don't think those odds are all that great. Minus, I mean, you have to put 200 down and win an additional 100. I don't think that's that great. So I will pass on this one, but I definitely do think Cooper Cup will be able to get in the end zone. Okay, I'm going to pass too. I don't like the odds on that either, and I could see the Bengals finding a way to just shut him down. For those odds, I will pass. Cam Akers to score a touchdown. Minus 110 for Cam Akers to score a touchdown. Oh, that that's a good one, Jason. I mean, Cam Akers, he's he's quietly had a very good season this year, Jason. I think he kind of gets lost in the shuffle with how much talent is on this Rams team. Again, with the likes of Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham traded for. Um, I mean, you have uh, Sony Michelle in the backfield. Obviously, the guy throwing the football, uh, Matt Stafford. But, um, I mean, even Robert Woods. So, you know what? I I would be willing to, to give a shot at those odds at minus 110. I'll, I, could, I could see that. All right, Kevin, going to lock in with Cam Akers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not bet that one. There's not a no on the board. Again, I, it, the odds are pretty good. It's very tempting, but I'm going to pass on that one. Jamar Chase of the Bengals, Kevin, to score a touchdown. He's plus 115, so you get a little bit of a, a good odds there on Jamar Chase. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jason, I can't go against Jamar Chase at this one. I, I would be willing to take that. I'll take that. They're good odds, and it's likely to happen. I mean, as we've seen throughout the season, Jason, Jamar Chase, no matter where he is on the football field, he is one of those special talents who is able, who he is a threat to take the football the distance every single time he has, he he touches it. I know that, that I think that's been said a lot over the years, but Jamar Chase is legitimately one of those guys. I think he's one of the most dangerous young receivers, Deanna, and I know this is going to sound crazy, I would compare him right now with his impact out of the gate immediately to a rookie Randy Moss. That's an extra, a very interesting comparison, but he is that type of player. He's a guy who can change a game, and he's certainly a big receiver and go get that football. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Kev. I think Chase is going to get a touchdown, so I'm going to take him plus the 115. Joe Mixon, who's gotten a lot of tough yards this postseason, I mean that in a good way, tough running between those tackles. Uh, his odds to score a touchdown are plus 130. Ooh, you know what? Jason, you know what? I, I could see that. Now, you know what? I will take that one as well. Again, Joe Mixon, as you've said, he's had a great season. I mean, I pointed out his stats earlier. Rushed for over 1,200 yards and had 13 touchdowns on the season this year. Also, he is sneakily good at catching the football out of the backfield. So I think he'll definitely get his chances. 
Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go also with Joe Mixon to cover that one and score a touchdown. I also like those odds sitting there at plus 130. One more before we take a quick timeout. The Rams' Odell Beckham Jr., of course, he joined them in season. His odds to score a touchdown are plus 137. Oh, plus 137. And you said for OBJ? Yep, for OBJ to get a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Doesn't say rushing or receiving, so he could technically, you know, somehow do something on an end around, but you'd think he'd catch one (laughs) to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl, plus 137. Oh, you know what, Jason? I will take that because of the odds themselves. Um, Odell Beckham, I think he's settled into a very nice role where he doesn't necessarily need to be the dominant receiver in the offense. But I think um, I think he'll definitely get his chances, and I think he will capitalize. So I'll take the yes. I will jump on that one too. I, I could see him sneaky in this game, like you said. He's not the number one guy there. Obviously, that's Cooper Cup right now. But you can use him as a second or third option, and easily see him scoring a touchdown. And I like those odds as well. So I'll take Beckham Jr. to score a TD in the Super Bowl plus one thirty-seven. We come back. Some observations about the new Bears hierarchy. The coach Matt Eberflus and. Also, Ryan Poles, the general manager, they were introduced to the media and the fan base earlier this week. Plus more Super Bowl props at State Lines. He's Kevin Berger. I am Jason Gotch. More after this. We'll be right back on State Lines. Staying connected is important in today's world. Whether it's hearing the news of a new baby in the family or calling work to let your boss know you're running late, phone and internet service keep you connected with your world. At AT AT&T, we know that some Americans face life every day without the comfort and security of having a phone or internet service. In certain areas, you may be able to reduce your phone or internet bill with a lifeline discount if you are in a qualifying low-income household. Additional discounts of up to $25 may be available to those living on federally recognized tribal lands where AT&T offers Lifeline. To find out more about Lifeline and other AT&T products and services, call us at 800-288-2020 or go to att.com slash Lifeline if you have access to the Internet. Lifeline is a government benefit program and willfully making false statements to obtain this benefit is punishable by fine or imprisonment and could result in termination of Lifeline service. Lifeline enrollment requires certain eligibility documentation and is non-transferable. Limited to one discount per household. AT&T services including Lifeline are not available in all areas. Other restrictions apply. And now back to State Lines with Jason Gotch and Kevin Berger. We welcome you back to State Lines, getting you ready for Super Bowl 56. This is one of our two Super Bowl preview shows for the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. They'll meet on Sunday, February 13th at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Right now, the Bengals are a four and a half point underdog in that game. The total in the game is 48 and a half. He's Kevin Berger. I'm Jason Gotch. We're also mixing in some other big NFL news. We'll get to the Tom Brady retirement next segment. But this segment, before we mix in some prop bets here for the Super Bowl, Kevin, I do want to ask you about your impressions of uh, the new Bears brain trust. The head coach, Matt Eberflus, who comes over, formerly was the defensive coordinator of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, A lot of people around the league believe he is a good head coaching material, but time will tell on that. This is his first head coaching job in his early 50s. And the young general manager, Ryan Poles, who is in his mid-30s and now 
really, I mean, you think about the Bears' uh, hierarchy in the organization. One thing they do is George McCaskey and Ted Phillips, they turn over the football operations to the general manager. So he's the football guy now. What do you think of this? Are, are you hopeful that the Bears can, you know, maybe if not pull a Bengals, do that in, in a couple of years? Cincinnati turned things around real quick after the Joe Burrow pick and then Jamar Chase. Uh, one year, really the second season after drafting Burrow, they're in the Super Bowl. Maybe that's too much to ask, but are, are you confident in the Bears here? Or is it more of a wait-and-see approach? Um, I I would say it's a little bit of both, Jason. I am. It does give me confidence that they are letting Ryan Poles be the football guy, that they are just letting him do it. I think it was actually pretty telling that once they hired him, he immediately took direct control over who the head over uh head coaching uh search. I think that was actually pretty telling that I was surprised that the Bears basically didn't say no, you're gonna hire this guy. Um, so that that helps. Um, Eberflus's credentials, Jason. I mean, he's had 30 years of coaching experience, including 13 of those are in the NFL. Last four seasons of the Colts defense coordinator. We know this already. Um as far as what to expect, I think Bears fans need to have reasonable expectations. Um, th- this is not they—they they will not be able to recreate Cincinnati because that—that cannot be re- reasonably expected. What I do think can be expected is we are going to see a change in attitude um, at Hallis Hall, which I think is something they desperately need. Um, also, you're going to see someone who's completely unrelated to Justin Fields evaluate Justin Fields. There's not going to be any preconceived notions or biases. Oh, like we drafted this guy. Like, of course, we're going to stick with them. Um, and a lot of these other veterans, it's going to be very telling to see what roster moves happen, who stays, who goes. Because I think I've talked about this before. Just there's only like a, a maybe like a handful of players that are under contract that were under contract through um, the next year or two. So there's a lot of room for a lot of flexibility, a lot of new talent to come in. And the other thing that's going to be telling is who is Matt Eberflus going to hire, especially on the offensive side of the football for his staff. I mean, I'm cautious. I would say cautiously optimistic would be my word to describe it. Well, I think at this point for Bears fans, that's how you have to approach it because we really don't know. Anybody who tells you they have a definite feeling what's going to happen and they know if, for you know they know exactly how this is going to turn out, there's no track record for either one of these guys. This isn't hiring away a proven executive or a proven head coach or, frankly, a guy who maybe hadn't done very well in the front office or a guy who hadn't done very well as a head coach in the past. So you, you don't have a good feeling. But uh, with Ryan Poles, the one thing I do like, although his age a little bit, you know, maybe – uh, makes me cautious because he doesn't have the experience of some other front office guys. Uh, maybe that balances out because he was a player. And I actually like the fact, I, I know he only had a cup of coffee, you know, basically trying out with the bears, but he was a pretty good player at Boston college. But I, I think in today's sports world, there's too much analytics. There's they, you can find a number to justify anything. I yep. like a guy who has a feel of a locker room, a guy who knows what goes on, the winning and losing, and, who knows the human element. I, and, I think that's really important. And Jason, the, the, I'm glad you brought that up because he's a football guy and numbers aren't everything. Because I have been one, my entire life, I have been one of the biggest advocates for not putting a ton of stock into the combine. I hate the NFL draft combine. I despise it. Be, and I'll tell you exactly why, because... All it is is about numbers. If 
it's, oh, well, this guy, he's bigger, he's faster, he has a better 40 time, he can bench more, he can squat more, all this other sort of thing. How good is he in pads? Because, I mean, Jason, I hate to bring this up for Bears fans, Kevin White was had a really good combine day, Jason. <laughs> Kevin he, White he looked fantastic at the combine. He did. he did. And how did that work out? There is a difference between being an athlete and being a football player. All great football players are great athletes. Not all great athletes can be football players. There is a distinct difference, which, again, this is also going to piss off Bears fans. That's why, to me, when people say that the Bears should have drafted Patrick Mahomes over Mitch Trubisky, no, the Bears should have done the intelligent thing and the safe thing and drafted Deshaun Watson. Because you saw you had three years of tape on Deshaun Watson. This guy, Ryan Poles, is going to understand there is a difference between a combine showcase and what happens once you're between those lines and you have a helmet on. No, that's a good point. Look, it's got to be balanced. That's so important. And uh, look, the perfect example is the guy we're going to talk about next segment. You you watch Tom Brady and you you look at his tape and his combine and all that stuff. And as far as the athleticism goes, and you see that picture of him in 1999 without his shirt on, uh, I don't know if you'd pick him in a rec league football game at your local park district based on, you know, what he looked like physically, his stature. But obviously, the guy knew how to play football, and he goes down as the greatest quarterback of all time. Now, Brady's a pretty athletic guy. I'm not trying to to, to go ahead and, you know, rain on Tom Brady as he was some kind of terrible athlete. He wasn't. But there's a lot more athletic guys to play quarterback in the NFL than Tom Brady, who didn't have nearly even uh, one one millionth of the success uh, that he had. As we continue here on State Lines, he is Kevin Berger. I'm Jason Gotch. And Matt Eberflus, too. I want to add this. Matt Eberflus sounds like a football guy, too, when you hear him talk. And I, I like that. I, I like I, I like because Matt Nagy, to me, was the nutty professor. Sorry, Matt Nagy, you're a nice guy. But he's talking about the how and the why and these abstracts at his press conference and going on. And I feel I'm in a college uh, a, a class where some guy is, you know, uh, behind a podium going ahead and telling me about the philosophy of the world and I'm trying to understand what the guy says and I have no idea where he's going. And where and Matt Nagy showed that when he tried to call plays. Look, he had his playbook of probably 300 plays in there and he couldn't make that work because he had too many of them and, and he was trying to play Nutty Professor and he'd have to turn over the play calling to Bill Lazor. And it was better with Bill Lazor, but not great. So I, I think these guys are more hardcore, common sense football guys and I mean that in a very good way. Uh, one thing that does scare me, though, for Ryan Poles, at least it could get worse before he get, it gets better. He just doesn't have a lot of draft choices to work with this year. He's got a two, a three, two fives, and a six. So maybe the Bears trade and they somehow get back into the first round, but they don't have a lot to give up. But um, when you're trying to build a team from pretty much the bottom up, it certainly doesn't help when you don't have a first round pick and you've only got five picks total and three of those are late in the draft. So it, it might be later rather than sooner for the Bears. Uh, trying to build this thing. But of course, a lot rides on Justin Fields too. I mean, if Justin Fields is the guy we saw this year, he's going to be a bust. But I think you have to at least give him a chance and say uh, he was coached by Matt Nagy, who wasn't a good football coach with the Bears. So uh, hopefully this crew, and like you said, Kev, whoever they hire on the offensive side of the ball, you know, we know Luke Getze is the the offensive coordinator, but those assistant coaches too, all the quarterbacks coaches, they got to bring in all the, the offensive assistants under Getsy, the former Packers quarterback coach. Uh, they're going to be all important as far as developing Justin Fields and hopefully will be a franchise quarterback because Bears fans have wanted that pretty much forever. Now let's go ahead, Kev. Let's look at some Super Bowl 56, some fun props here. Uh, the, the coin toss. This is always a fun one. 
I got to admit, you know, the Rams tightened Super Bowl in the late 90s before there was any internet betting or legal betting. I had a buddy take 50 bucks to Vegas, and uh, I won that coin toss, and that was all I bet in that game. And uh, since that time, I've always gone one side on the coin, but I'll turn it over to you first, Kev. What do you think? Heads or tails? Tails never fails, Jason. There you go. Tails never fails. It won me 50 bucks one time. That was a lot. That's still a lot of money to me. It was a lot of money when I, when I was in my uh, mid-20s. So uh, I'm going tails never fails as well. Now, here's one. Will the coin toss winner win the game? Yes or no? Total guess here. Nobody will know this one, Ooh. but it's a total guess. Um, I will say yes, Jason, because whoever the coin toss winner is, they will do the intelligent. They should do the intelligent thing and defer. You always defer to the second half. Unless you're Brian Kelly when he coached at Notre Dame, in which case he always took the option to receive the football. <laughs> and that that's old school. That's Mike Ditka. He used to like put his defense on the field to start the second half. Look, a, a little before your time, Kev, but Mike Ditka... I remember at least on two occasions in overtime, it was sudden death back then in the the 80s and early 90s. He actually would take the defense on the field to start the overtime. I mean, talk. can you imagine doing that in today's era? We'll put our defense on the field to start the overtime period. Unheard of. Well, I mean, also, well, also to be fair, Jason, those Bears defenses were so good. I mean, they were just as likely to score themselves as they were to stop the other team. True. He did it in a Monday night game, though, one time against the Jets. I believe it was 1990 or 90, 91, maybe 90 or 91. And the Jets came all the way down the field. And Pat Leahy, who was the kicker for the Jets, I believe he wore five. He missed a 30-yard field goal in Soldier Field to win it, and the Bears went down the other way. And and my friends and I, because we loved it. I mean, you you grew up in the 80s. You loved it. and we're like, hey, that's just coach being a genius. He knew that thing was going to go wide. He knew they were, it's, it's, but you know, sometimes luck, luck favors one of the teams. And it certainly did that day 30 years ago, but I am going to say yes as well. I'll say the coin toss winner wins the game. Will the Super Bowl 56 coin toss caller be correct? Now the, the, the Rams are the road team. So they will call the coin toss, not only to start the game, but if there is an overtime, they will get to call it. Will the coin toss caller be correct? Yes or no? Um, I will say yes. Okay. Kev saying yes. I am going to say no. The coin toss caller will not be correct. Super Bowl 56 prop bet for the national anthem length. The national anthem is going to be sung this year by country singer Mickey Guyton. The over under is two minutes for the national anthem. Each side minus 115. What do you got, Kevin Berger? Oh, um, I will say under, I will say under 155. All right, Kev going under 155 or two. What I'm going to say under as well. I, I've actually hit this one in recent years a lot by going under. So for me, under never fails with the national anthem. And Mickey Guyton, from what I looked online doing some show research, she is a more traditional singer. So if you're a more traditional singer, you're not going to be out there for flair and dramatic, uh, hitting the notes and things like that. So in that case, you would think it would go under. Uh, One more before we go and take a break. Which team's going to score first, Kevin Berger? The Bengals or the Rams? I'll take Cincinnati in this one, Jason. Yeah, me too. Going on the Bengals. I really think they're going to score first. They've done that a lot in the pre or the, the in the regular season and also in the playoffs. So why not here? Joining Kevin Berger, me, Jason Gotch, Bengals score first. 
When we come back, we're going to talk about the career of the greatest quarterback of all time. Give you some more prop bets as well. At State Lines, he's Kevin Berger. I'm Jason Gotch. More after this. You are listening to State Lines. We'll be right back. Staying connected is important in today's world. Whether it's hearing the news of a new baby in the family or calling work to let your boss know you're running late, phone and internet service keep you connected with your world. At AT AT&T, we know that some Americans face life every day without the comfort and security of having a phone or internet service. In certain areas, you may be able to reduce your phone or internet bill with a lifeline discount if you are in a qualifying low-income household. Additional discounts of up to $25 may be available to those living on federally recognized tribal lands where AT&T offers Lifeline. To find out more about Lifeline and other AT&T products and services, call us at 800-288-2020 or go to att.com slash lifeline if you have access to the internet. Lifeline is a government benefit program and willfully making false statements to obtain this benefit is punishable by fine or imprisonment and could result in termination of Lifeline service. Lifeline enrollment requires certain eligibility documentation and is non-transferable. Limited to one discount per household. AT&T services including Lifeline are not available in all areas. Other restrictions apply. You are listening to State Lines. We return to Jason Gotch and Kevin Berger. Great to have you with us on a Super Bowl preview edition of State Lines. Of course, the big game this year, Super Bowl 56 between the Bengals and Rams, going to take place on Sunday, February 13th at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. The Rams, the home team on the field because this is their stadium, but they're not the home team on the scoreboard. The Bengals get that honor this year. They rotate that between the NFC and AFC teams. So ironically, it's in the Rams stadium. It's on their field, but on the scoreboard, they are the road team. Right now, the odds as we take this show, they might flip a little bit, but I don't expect big movement here. Uh, the Rams are a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Uh, the over-under is 48-and-a-half for this contest. Right now, if you're betting it, if you're taking the Bengals, you're going to go minus 115 on the spread. The Rams come back at minus 105. Money line, Rams minus 195. Bengals plus 165. This game is, in my opinion, featuring one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL, a guy who's got a chance to be a real star, a marquee player in this league for a long, long time, and that's Joe Burrow, who's done amazing things in his second season in the league. Bengals are lucky to have him as their quarterback. Matthew Stafford, after a lot of rough years in Detroit because of the team around him, a lot of people believe he's a lot better than he showed with the Lions, and certainly uh, this season he gets the Rams to the Super Bowl, so a chance for him to be a Super Bowl champion in his 30s now. Uh, But you look at... What happened in the NFL this week, Kevin Berger, along with me, Jason Gotch here on State Lines, uh, the greatest of all time. And a lot of times when you say that about a player, there's going to be a huge debate. I, I don't see a big debate, at least at this point. Look, I love Joe Montana as a player, four Super Bowls, no interceptions. He was great. He won all four. But Tom Brady uh, winning seven Super Bowls in his career. No other player's done that. Uh, the amount of yards he threw for in his career all the winning with New England, and then in his 40s, playing until he's almost 45 years old, going down to Tampa in his first season with a new team and taking them to a Super Bowl and winning it last year over a favored Kansas City Chiefs team. Uh, Tom Brady, I don't see how he's not regarded as the best quarterback of all time. It's hard with positions, but you could certainly argue he's the best football player of all time. And again, this is a guy who was drafted in the sixth round, 
He didn't stun people like you said last segment, Kevin. You mentioned a good point that the combine is not everything. The stats are not everything. Look, Tom Brady, a lot of teams look stupid passing on him until the Pats took him in the sixth round. And he goes down as the greatest quarterback of all time. And you think about the intelligence, the dedicate, really the dedication of the game too, the diet he did in his 30s and 40s to play this along. I mean, I, I, the, the surprising thing for me is that he's re- he's retiring. I, I did not expect it. I got to be honest with you. I thought he'd keep playing because he's still playing at a real high level, probably finish second in the Super Bowl MVP voting this year behind Aaron Rodgers. And that's a guy who's 44 years old doing that and deciding to step away. Yeah, Jason, I don't know. It, it might be that he just thinks that his time has come. And because, I mean, as you said, he has been playing this game for a long time. And I'm not even talking about just his NFL career. We're talking about four years at Michigan, high school, back to Pee Wee's. His whole life has been football. His entire life has been football. So I, I think there comes a point when you're like, okay, like, is there anything else that I need to prove? Is there anything else that I need to do? And I honestly don't think there is anything else that Tom Brady needs to prove to anybody anymore. I mean, you talked about the stats, Jason. 84,520 passing yards in 318 games, 624 touchdowns, 203 interceptions, seven-time Super Bowl champion, three-time MVP, five-time Super Bowl MVP. He's part of the all-decade team, Jason, of the 2000s and the 2010s. I don't think, correct me if people would have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's a heck of a lot of players in any sport that can really say that. Three time All Pro, 15 time Pro Bowler. For what, for what worth is that? Jason, he's never, he's only thrown below 3,000 yards three times. And one of those was his rookie season when he only played one game. Um, the second one was his second year in the league in 2001 when he threw for 28, 28, uh, 43. And then the other one was in 2008 when he was at, when he got uh, hurt in the first game of the season, he was out for the season. Other than that, he's thrown for 3000 yards or more every single year. Actually, he's thrown for over 3,500 yards. Every single one of those years, he's thrown for 5,000. He's thrown for 5,200 yards. He's thrown 50 touchdowns before. He's never had a season other than, again, the ones that I already listed where he's thrown less than 20 touchdowns, and he's just a winner. That's the big thing. That's like, oh, I know people in basketball, they say it's the Mamba mentality. That's what it is. He has that it factor that the great ones have, and even the really good players, some of them don't have it. Tom Brady, Kobe Bryant. Michael Jordan. Um, I'll even say uh, guys like Floyd Mayweather, Serena Williams, Michael Phelps, Usain Bolt. These Those names are regarded as the greatest competitors in their sport. The greatest to ever play their sport. And that's because they have that it factor that not everybody else does, that they have an insane obsession with competing and winning and wanting to be the best. And it's the end of an era, Jason. I agree with you. There is no way anybody will ever be able to convince me that there is a quarterback that has played the game of football that's better than Tom Brady. It, the, no, you just I'm can't. With you. 
I'm with you. Look, you look at, and you think about the remarkable Brady career. He wins a Super Bowl in the 2001 season. He wins one in the 2020 season. And Kevin, you're a younger guy. And there's a lot of younger listeners to this program. There's a lot of people who are young, who are following football, who don't know football before Tom Brady. They don't yep. because the guys played for 20 years. I mean, you think about how long, I mean, to play football for two, more than two decades. I mean, it's remarkable if you're, you know, if you're 27, 28 years old, Tom Brady started playing when you were, you know, six years old. And a lot of people don't remember watching football when they're six years old. I don't. My first year, I remember watching when I was eight or actually, yeah, just about eight years old. So, I mean, just going back to just my personal remembrance of the game, like I, I would, I wouldn't have remembered to, like before Tom Brady, if I was a guy in my, you know, twenties or obviously your teens, you weren't even, he was playing before you were born. So, and to do it at the level that he played at, and you mentioned the yardage. I mean, you combine his playoff yards and his regular season yards, and he's almost at a hundred thousand yards for his career passing and to, to stay healthy. Like he did, he had the one major injury or he blew out the knee in the start of the 2008 season when he got tackled in that game against the chiefs. And, but that was pretty much it. I mean, Tom Brady, I know people say, Oh, you know, he never got hit great offensive line in new England. He did. He had very good offensive lines in new England, but Brady also had a great release. The idea that he would go back. Look, there's guys who hang on to that football and they run around for dear life and they get hit all the time. And that's, I mean, Brett Favre, I love watching him play, but he did that a lot early in his career. He's a great player. But Brady knew, hey, you know what? This guy's there. I got to get the ball out in this amount of seconds. So you're not going to get his bat. And yeah, his career remarkable. I guess the only thing I would say, maybe one thing that didn't surprise me about the retirement is Brady is the ultimate winner. And I believe the Tampa franchise is on the way down, just the personnel around him. So I think he looked at it and said, hey, we're not getting back there anytime soon, or it's going to be really hard. So why would I keep playing? He wasn't going to go play for anybody else at this point. So maybe he saw it as one of those things. I don't want to just come back and, you know, lose games or make it to the playoffs and not have a realistic chance to win a Super Bowl. So Tom, terrific, a great career. I mean, it's it's as a football fan, it's one of those situations where, selfishly, I think it's sad for fans because when Tom Brady was in a football game, that was must-see TV for the better part of 20 years. That's how good the guy was. You want to, hey, Brady's playing tonight. I don't care who he's playing against. I want to watch Tom Brady play. I got to see him play once in person when I covered a Bears game against the Patriots. I I made sure that that was on my calendar that year because I wanted to say, hey, you know what? I saw Tom Brady play football in person because the Bears only play him once every four years. And those games aren't always in Chicago. So they've only, he's only been to Soldier Field a few times until, of course, they played the, the Buccaneers. Uh, that, that's different there. But when he was the Patriots, he didn't think he was ever going to leave. So a, a great career for Tom Brady. This is State Lines. He's Kevin Berger. I am Jason Gotch. Let's continue with the prop bets for Super Bowl 56 between the Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. And you mentioned, Kev, you think the Bengals are going to score first last segment. I agree with you. Will the first score of the game be a touchdown, a field goal, or a safety? Oh, oh, that's a good one. Um, I will say the first score of the game will be a field goal, Jason. Yeah, I'm gonna go field goal as well. I could see them, especially with as the as my wife, who's a Bengals fan, loves to call him Kick Fearson. Evan McPherson, his nickname is <laughs> Kick Fearson. I mean, it's a good one. It, yeah, it is. It is a good nickname, and it being at SoFi, as you know, great atmosphere. Not only uh, the beautiful building that it is, but also it's a great place to kick. You could see him hitting one from 55, 57 yards easily on that first drive or whenever the Bengals do score first, if that's the case, because we think the Bengals are going to score first. What team commits a penalty first, Bengals or the Rams? 
Oh, um, Jason, I will say the Bengals because especially if they get the ball first, you know, they might uh, get like a cheap holding penalty or something like that. All right, Kev is on the Bengals. I'm going to go Rams because the Bengals during the regular season were the least penalized team in the NFL. When we look at this one, you mentioned this one at the start, Kev. Let's go through it. I know you got the odds in front of you. Who's going to win the Super Bowl MVP award? The favorite Stafford plus 100. Burroughs plus 225. I mean, you can go way down here. They got pretty much everybody listed. Uh, so, I mean, some of the big some of the big names, though, Cooper Cup's plus 600, Aaron Donald's plus 1,600, uh, Jamar Chase's plus 1,800, uh, Odell Beckham Jr.'s plus 2,800, Cam Akers plus 3,500, T. Higgins plus 4,500, Mixon's plus 4,500, Von Miller's plus 4,500, uh, Sony Michelle's plus 8,000, Tyler Boyd's plus 9,000, Jalen Ramsey's plus 10,000. And a bunch of other guys, 10,000 and greater. So you can go anywhere here, Kev. Uh, maybe what are you thinking maybe from a few different angles and who do you think ultimately wins it? I was going to say, yeah, Jason, most of these are actually really good odds. I mean, you give me Joe Burrow at plus 225 and Cooper Cup at plus 600. Uh, those are two really good ones. Um, I can't believe that Jamar Chase is plus 1,800, Jason. I mean, that's a huge number. So that looks really good. Uh, Joe Mixon at plus 4,500 as well, Jason. That looks really, really good um, to me as well. But I I really I, – I think I would go with Jamar Chase at plus 1,800, Jason, would be my quote-unquote safe bet. Yeah, I love that one too. I love Burrow at plus 225. Those odds are still pretty good. I mean, I throw some on Burrow – I throw some on Chase. I, I like that one a lot. Mixon as well. But one that I'm looking at, I mean, you don't have to throw a lot down. Tyler Boyd at plus 9,000. The Bengals love to throw that football around. I could see him having eight, nine, ten catches in this game, being that veteran guy who steps up at, at the biggest time in his career. So I would look at Tyler Boyd, too. I might put a little bit on him just, you know, when you're thinking about plus 9,000, if you put down – you know, 25 bucks on this, you're winning almost two grand. So that's that, that I like those odds, but I, I would say I'm going to join Kevin and say Jamar chase is the guy I think wins it. Although it's hard now to beat out a quarterback because if, if chase has a big game, that means Burrow's having a big game too. So uh, you got to look at Joe Burrow, I think as well, Matthew Stafford. I, I just don't like the odds there. I mean, he could win the award, but Matthew Stafford, each game, he's good for two or three balls that he throws up for grabs. I don't care if it's Lions or Rams days. He's going to throw a couple balls up for grabs, two or three of them at least, in my opinion. And if the Bengals get those, Matt Stafford's not winning the MVP award. So I don't really like him at plus 100. Let's go through a couple more, Kev, before we have to sign out for this program. Will the first play of the game be a run or a pass? Oh, first play of the game. Um, I will say a run. Okay. I will say, yeah, Jason, I'll say a run. You know, you're going to want to get your offensive linemen set into the game, get everyone else, you know, fit everything field out, get used to the atmosphere. I'll take a run. All right. Will there be over under two and a half turnovers in total? And by the way, I'm going to join Kevin and say it's a run as well. Over under two and a half turnovers in total in the game. So combined turnovers over under two and a half. Oh, come on, turn on. Uh, I will say I will. I, I mm, if I have to do anything with this one at all, Jason, I'll take the over. But I would prefer to pass. 
Okay, so we'll put you down for a pass. I'm going to go over. Like I said, Stafford's good for a couple turnovers. I could see Burrow getting picked as well. That doesn't even factor in fumbles. Will a fan run on the field during the game? How's security out there at SoFi? You've been there, Kev. Can They They have a lot of fan fights in the stands at SoFi Stadium. So. They do. So, But for the Super Bowl, I got to think security is going to be pretty good. But will somebody get by security and run on the field? Uh, Jason, I don't think so. I mean, even for the regular game, they had a co- a good amount of security that me and my, that my cousin and I were at. I don't think the NFL is going to be willing to take absolutely any chances of letting, you know, letting a drunk uh, fan get up onto the field or anything like that during, on on the sport on sports biggest stage. I mean, let's call it what it is. The Super Bowl is the biggest day in sports. Um, so no, I do not believe that's going to happen. Wilk, I agree with you. I don't think so either. And if they do, they're probably going to get flattened. So if you're listening to this show and you're thinking about running on the field, don't do it. Public service announcement. Will COVID-19 be mentioned during the broadcast? Um, I will say yes. Yeah, I, I I hope not. You know what? I'm going to be positive. I'm going to say no. I'm just going to, because I just, I'm sick of hearing about it. So, and especially during sports, but you're, you're probably right. It, it'll probably be mentioned, but I'm, I'm still going to be an optimist here and say no. And last one for this program. Let's close it out with this one, Kev. We're not going to predict yet who's going to win, who's going to lose. Will the last play of the game be a kneel down? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, the last play of the game will be a kneel down. I am going to say no just because the playoffs have been so exciting so far, so I am going to say no. This has been another edition of State Lines. Kevin Berger along with me, Jason Gotch. Super Bowl preview show with a lot more props, a lot more game-intensive breakdown leading up to the game between the Bengals and the Rams coming up on next week's program. But for this week's program, we say so long, enjoy the props, and we will talk to you next week, everybody. You've been listening to State Lines, a Franklin Media Group podcast. For more information, visit statelines.show. To start your own podcast, visit franklinmedia.group.